Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. You hear a word from God today. I'm ready to preach it. I'm ready to preach it. We are in week three of a series called, let's see if we can do this right. We'll do How Are You Managing? All right, we're going to make it a team effort. A series called... Yeah, I just kept going for all three of them. While I appreciate the enthusiasm, you missed the point, but I love it. The side is in. They are ready to go. They're like, let's preach, let's do it. And listen, we are in a series called How Are You Managing? And it's about finances. I need to say this because every week we have somebody who just steps into the series. And so I got to say what I said last week and the week before. We're not raising an offering. We're not here to take nobody's money. We're not asking for money. In fact, every week we've been giving away things and today is no different. This series is not about getting rich. It's about being free and there's a difference. I know millionaires who take their life. I know millionaires who, uh, who are stressed out. I know millionaires who never see their kids. They're rich, but they're not free. And on the other hand, I know people who make $50,000 a year, $45,000 a year, who spend time with their children, who get to sleep in eight hours, and, and they wake up, and, and they got energy, and they're happy. That person might not be rich, but they are free. Now, you can be rich, and you can be free, but just because you're rich don't mean you're free. And we're going to learn the difference, and I want us to pursue that, true wealth. I want us to pursue, pursue that. And we've been doing that by teaching and giving away some tools. And the first thing we talked about in week one was a word called stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. Stewardship is how you manage what does not belong to you. And we said that everything we have belongs to God. It is on loan to us by the Lord. And one day we will have to give an account for all the things that we've received from him. How we manage things matter. In week two, we introduced the word called margin. Say margin. And we found out that 80% of Americans who struggle with finances, statistically speaking, this is like not Bible, like this is statistic, like studied, proved researchers, that 80% of Americans who wrestle with finances don't have an income problem, they have a spending problem. Oof. And I got so many letters, mad people this week who just passed why you came for me like that. And I was, and some people cut up some credit cards and some people canceled their subscriptions. You know, your boy had to practice what he preached. So I went home and I looked up my monthly subscriptions, how much our monthly subscriptions cost. Our month, we had almost $300 in subscriptions. Yeah. So hopefully we'll start canceling them soon because uh, we were looking over all. We're like, I like that one. <laughs> like, well, I kind of use that one. And then at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I might be able to afford it, but what does it cost? What will it cost? And so we got some tough decisions to make in the Vasquez home uh, over this week. Uh, but, uh, but today, I want to talk to the 20%. What do you mean? Well, I said 80% don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem, but there are 20% of Americans who just don't make enough. You have an income problem, and I know, that, and even if you are not a part of that 20%, everybody can use some more income. So I already know this is going to be one of the most watched YouTube videos, like, on our whole page, because I gave them the subtitle, not my title title, because if I gave them my title title, nobody would click, but I gave them a subtitle, because what I'm preaching about, this is about this topic, and I know that once they put this on YouTube, everybody's going to lean in and click in, and so if I had to subtitle this message, it would be how to increase your income. Yeah, somebody just put down their phone right now. Somebody was scrolling Instagram, and they would say, well, okay, 
see what he has to say about this. And because uh, the Lord wants you to be blessed. Um, now, when I say increase your income, I'm not talking about no crazy prosperity preaching. I think it's very important. I'm not talking about, hey, if you give exactly $667 and you turn your Bible to page 667 at the same time that you give $667, the Lord will hear you and multiply you 666.7 times. No, that's, that's, that's not Bible. That's not real. That's mystical. That's, you have a better shot at going to Vegas than you do um, doing something like that. And that's not what the Bible preaches or teaches. And so it's not that. I'm talking about principles in your life that you can implement to actually see God's blessing in hand on your finances and increase your income. To begin, we're going to go to the book of Matthew where Jesus is teaching and he's telling a story. He was a storyteller. And Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, for the sake of time, I'm going to run. Y'all, in my message today, I got six points. Six. If you've been to this church for any amount of time, you know I usually preach two of my three points and we call it a day. But I'm going through six, which means I don't got time to babysit. I don't got time to emphasize, take notes, write it down. There will be no questions being, being, being received. Just lean in, all right? Matthew 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man... Going on a journey. Thank you for the shout out, Jesus. Journey Church. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Whose property? Stewardship. Verse 15. To one he gave five talents. Somebody say talents. To another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. My title title for today's message is, How are you managing your talents? How are you managing your talents? Now, the word talent here is not what you think it is. The word talent here is actually a measurement of money. Measurement in biblical times was not always standardized, but it was rather practical. For example, if something was a distance away, I would say that, and this is true, measurements back in the Bible, they would say that that bottle of water is one arm's length away from me. Or if you were taking a trip, you would say that trip is two days journey. That was how they measured things. And we see remnants of that even in our world today. In America, I could say that those stairs are what? 30 feet from me. Where did that come from? That came from the practical of how big a foot is. I can even remember my dad going on construction trips with him when he left his tape measure at home. He would say, how big is this room? And he would go one foot, two foot, three foot, four foot. Because that's kind of where we get foot from. And then one day, it became standardized. And somebody said, no, it's 12 inches. Why? Because some people have bigger feet than others people and other people have smaller feet than other people and so we had to create a standard across all of all measurements so that was the same thing we knew what we were talking about when it came to money money was measured differently it was measured in weight that should also come as no surprise because if you're familiar with the UK and Britain they have pounds and so the money is weighed right it's not actually a pound today but back then it was so money was measured in weight and a talent was the largest form of measurement available. It was 75 to 125 pounds because, I mean, we talked about practical measurement, a talent was, was as much as a man could carry. So some men can carry more than others. So that's why the range is 75 to 125. But a talent, that's an important detail for later, so put that in the memory bank. We're going to come back to that. A talent is 75 to 125 pounds, listen, of only either silver or gold. You can only use talent in the context of silver and gold. So let me put that into practical terms for just a second because the value of gold today is 1,969.90 cents an ounce. There are 16 ounces in a pound. There are 75 pounds of gold for the lowest measurement of a talent. That means that the person who received one talent in today's money received $2,363,880. 
Don't ever feel bad for that person ever again. I don't know if you ever read this story before and you're like, oh, Dito, he got one talent. No, he got $2,363,880. That's a lot of money. That's like feeling bad for the person who won the lottery one time. I'm like, oh, he only won once, poor guy. Nah, man, he won the lottery. That's a lot of money. This is my point. Don't undervalue what God gave you. It might just be one talent, but there's a lot of worth and value hidden in that one talent. You might feel like you just have one skill. Well, I just take photos. Yeah, but if you invest into that skill, that could become a multi-million dollar skill. Well, I only make $40,000 a year. Well, you take 10% of your $40,000 a year, you invest that in the right companies, and over the span of 20 years, 25 years, you got a multi-million dollar portfolio. Well, I only got one day to grow my side hustle. That's okay. You invest that one day right, and one day that side hustle will turn into a multi-million dollar business. The way you manage can lead to the way you multiply. And God wants you to multiply. Say multiply. Why multiply? Why invest? Shouldn't I be content with what I have? Absolutely, you should be content with what you have. Here's how I wrote it, and I hope that it resonates with you. I want nothing more than what God has planned for me, but I also want nothing less than all that God has planned for me. Listen, I'm not trying to be more than God has called me to be, I'm not trying to have more than God has called me to have. But I am convinced the majority of people in life, it's not that you have, you know, as much as God wants for you. I think many of us go to the grave not fulfilling our life's potential to the fullest. I would dare say even our income potential to the fullest. So I got no problem settling for what God has for me. Here's what I want. Here's what I don't want for you, though. I don't want what God intended to be a starting line to be interpreted as a finishing line. Why he gave you is not the end. Don't you sit back and go, well, you know, I'm here and that's good enough. What if it's just the beginning? What if there's more? I believe God has more. He can multiply. You can multiply. And if you want to multiply, you got to spend more time multiplying and less time comparing and complaining. Because a lot of times we'll look, we'll look at the fact that we got one and we'll complain. And we'll look at the fact that that guy got five and we'll compare. And so we ask two questions when we read this parable. And it's the same way we look at people if we were born into a poor family and they were born into a rich family. We say, first off, why did I get one? Let me answer that question. The reason why you got one is because God is good. Did you hear me? Because his grace. Because you could have got none. But you got one. Praise the Lord. Because I got more than I deserved when he gave it to me by his grace. The other one is, why did that guy get five? Why did that guy get five? Look at verse 15, 25, 15. To one, he gave five talents. To another two, to another one. To each, according to his what? Ability. Please lean into that word. Because what determined that they got was God's grace. But what determined what they got was their ability. Now let's dive into the word ability because the Greek word for ability is dynamis. And dynamis, when it's used in the same sentence as God, means supernatural power. But when dynamis is used in the same sentence as man, it means strength. Why is that important? Why is that significant? Why does that help us understand the Bible? Because you have to remember what a talent is defined by. What is a talent defined by? Huh? how much a person can carry. So God gave 75 times five pounds to the person who could carry five because he could carry it. Because if he gave it to the person who only had the strength to carry one, that person would have been buried by their blessing. 
If you're strong enough to carry it, God will give it to you. If it will bury you, God's not going to crush you. We've always meant to bless you. And by the way, the story presupposes strength. So in other words, God gave the talent, but the servants came with the strength. Are you tracking me? This is the only point of my message. If you're going to write one thing down and take this home with you and just leave church after I say it, don't because that would be rude. But you would have enough information right here. Here is my sentence. If you want to increase your income, focus on increasing your strength. Now, let me ask you this question then. Let me ask you this question then. What's your strength? Is your strength communication? If so, build that, multiply that, increase that, and you will increase your income. Is your strength business? Then increase that, build that, and you will increase your income. Is your strength art, entertainment, cosmetology, fashion, medicine? What is your talent? And you will increase the income when you increase your talent, your strength, your ability. I know people all over the church are mad at me right now because what they're saying is, wow, Pastor JJ, I came to church to hear about how I would increase my income and your answer is work. <laughs> That's not what I want. That's not what I need. I need you to give me your favorite Bible verse plus the date so that I can have six numbers to Powerball. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want. I want that money right away. I don't want to work, but let me tell you something. That's not how the Bible teaches us to make money. Look at what Proverbs 13, 11 says. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. But wealth from hard, say it with me, work grows over time. You didn't know the Bible was that hard, did you? You didn't know it came like that. Spitting fire, Proverbs. Don't buy the lie and don't buy the lottery ticket. Work on your trade, not on trading crypto. True wealth last, that last comes through your work. Don't get rich quick, get better over time. Yeah. I got a friend, he's a barber, and he told me he cuts about 300 clients a month. I did not know barbers work that hard. Shout out to all my barbers in the house today. 300 clients? That's a lot of time on your feet. At some point, the fade is going to be a zero all the way up. I'm tired. You better hope you're not client 299. He told me, he said, but that's not my goal. I said, what's your goal? He says, my goal is to get so good at my craft that I go from 300 clients to 100 clients because I charge more per haircut. Not only will I make more money, Pastor, but that'll mean more time for my kids, my wife, and my free time. Are you hearing what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to build my trade. I'm going to build my skill. I'm going to build my gifts. And that's how I'm going to be financially free by making more money, increasing my income, and having a better quality of life. You want to make more money as a tattoo artist? Become the best tattoo artist in your city. The best. You want to make money, more money as a teacher? Because I can hear the teachers talking about it right now. Teachers are like, mm, try that one with us. <laughs> teachers don't make a lot of money, granted. Not teaching students, hear me. But become the best teacher in your school district, and other districts will pay you to teach their teachers. Well, I'm a musician. Musicians don't make a lot of money. Beyonce seems to be doing real good. She's doing good. Are you ready? This is somebody came to church to hear this. Are you going to write this down? It's going to change your life. The limit of your income is not your occupation, but your application. It's not your job. It's how you do your job. Did you hear that? And if you did your job better, somebody would pay you more money to do that job. Are you leaning in? This is Bible, y'all. I know it don't sound like preaching. It's preaching. I don't care if you're too young. I don't care if you think you're too old. I don't care if you got a degree or what your degree is in. You can get better. 
And there are six steps that tell you how to get better in the Bible. I'm going to go over each of them. I try to make it shorter, but each one felt like it was really good. So I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit it quick. No time for questions. Take these notes. We've got 20 minutes to hit six things. Let's do it. Here's the first thing you need. If you want to get better at what you do and increase your income and sharpen your trade, no matter what you do, number one, you got to focus. Focus. Somebody say focus. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 through 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the past for your feet. and Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. There's a friend of mine who is, without exaggeration and without lying, personally, the greatest piano player that I know. Like, he does the whole... All of it. Nasty. And he's young. He's good. Just probably in his 30s, maybe. So good. And he met with me one day. He said, Pastor JJ, I think God's calling me to, to do worship, to be a worship leader. I was like, well, come on then. <laughs> come on, let's do it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, well, what does it take? I go, well, come on the worship team. We got rehearsals, tryouts, you come through, and then we get you in the rotation, and then who knows what God does from there. And he goes, all right, that's really cool. I, just, I don't know if I can do that right now. I said, like, how come? He said, because, you know, I'm in this profession right now, and this profession got me working on Sundays. And then after I work enough Sundays, then I got to take my license exam, and then that also on Sundays. But then after about a year and a half of doing that, then I'll have enough money to pursue this thing. And I looked at me, and I said, okay, cool. Because I learned. Some people that counsel with you, especially if you're a pastor, they don't really want your advice. They want your stamp. A lot of people. Not everybody, but a lot of people. They just want you to say what they're doing is okay. So I just, I just play along because I'm not going to fight. I don't got time to fight. So I'm like, cool, man, cool. <laughs> but he knows me. So he goes, what is it? I'm like, do you want me to say it for real? Do you want me to kind of be honest with you? He goes, yeah. I go, listen, man, are you called to do that? What do you mean am I called to? Are you called to do that? I mean, that's a great profession. But is that your calling? No, I don't think that's, that's my calling. So don't waste time doing something that you're not called to do. I would rather you find a job that pays less money that allows you to put more time towards the calling because if you invest in your calling, one day your calling will invest back into you. If you chase four rabbits, you will catch none. You got to pick something. I like this. I like this. I like that. Pick one. And focus on it and make that the thing that you do. And you're ready. Let me free you. And it doesn't even have to be your forever thing. Pastor Chris and Pastor Alana over our East Campus, you know what they got their degree in? Pastor Chris got his Bachelor's of Science in Building Construction. Pastor Alana got her Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science with a, a minor in International Studies and French. And she has a Master's in Human Relations. Listen, International Studies and French, Political Science. Pastor Alana's not running for the president of Paris right now. She's a campus pastor. And they both, but you know how they became campus pastors? Because not only did they graduate, they graduated cum laude. Not only were they in their industries, but they were so good in their industry that when I, the pastor, was looking for campus pastors, I saw two people who were crushing it in their industry, and she was overseeing freedom groups. He was an amazing group leader. Everything they were doing was multiplying. Because they put their hand to what they were doing right now, the thing that they were doing that wasn't the thing led to the thing. Sometimes the thing you're doing that's not the thing will lead to the thing. Are you with me? If you do that thing with everything that you got. Number two, go from focus to anonymity. Anonymity. 
And let me, let me just say one thing about focus. Well, pastor, I don't really know what is my thing. Then if you don't know, I'm gonna help you, it's whatever thing is in front of you right now. Do that thing, whatever you got. Okay, anonymity. Don't wait for your big break in front of crowds. Prepare for it in the dark when no one's looking. You know King David, he got his big break when he killed Goliath. That was his moment. Everybody, boy, that boy could sling. That meant a different thing back then than it meant today. <laughs> that boy could sling. He's crazy, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. But before he was knocking out giants, look what he was doing when nobody was around. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 through 36. Saul said, you're just a kid, man. How are you going to knock out this giant? But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a sheep from the flock, I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has, I love David, God, so he said, your boy has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, that's Old Testament cuss words right there. I just need to bring you to the story. He said, and, and, and this, mm, 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 I will knock this mm, 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 out. Just like, I'm just telling you, he was cussing. Like, if you was in the Bible times and you heard that, you'd be like, oh. So I'm just trying to create that same kind of energy when you hear it. He said, this mm, 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 will be like one of them. Since he has defied the armies of the living God. Did you hear where David's confidence came from? He goes, man, I don't mind doing it in front of 10,000s because I was doing it in front of no one. And I did it over and over and over and over, and I know my time will come. Be prepared to work in anonymity. For 18 years, we don't hear about Jesus. We hear about him when he's 12, okay? He, he, he ends up at church. He talks back to his mama. His mom said, what you doing here? He said, we said, woman, I'm about my father's business. We don't hear about him for another 18 years. <laughs> Something happened. Something happened. What was he doing for those 18 years in anonymity? Preparing. Moses spent 40 years in the desert leading sheep. Why? Because God knew he was going to have to spend 40 years leading people in the desert. Anonymity. Anonymity. Listen, if you're going to be a songwriter, be prepared to write a thousand songs before any one of them get nominated for a Grammy. If you're going to be a cook, be prepared to learn a thousand recipes before you win a Michelin star like my boy Rob over there. Why? 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 Listen to me. Why? Because seeds don't grow above ground. Seeds don't go above ground because if they did, then the bird would eat it before it produced fruit. Anonymity is there to protect you so that your character does not undergrow your platform. So that you do not produce a fruit that your root cannot sustain. Number three, invest. Somebody say invest. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You're going to get out of it whatever you put into it. Verse 8, and whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You know what the author is saying? He's saying we invest in things all the time, we're just not aware. Every time you spend a minute, you're investing in something. Anytime you spend a dollar, you're investing in something. And Paul is saying be aware of what you're investing in. And look at verse 9, and let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The investment will pay off. Keep investing. When Liz and I bought our first home, uh, we bought it in South Chase, and it was, ready for this? If you're looking for a buying home right now, you're going to be so mad at me. Don't stone me. It's just the price. $115,000. We bought our first home. That's like ridiculous right now. 
to imagine they had a house like that. $115,000. When we got in there, we didn't have a lot of money, but right away, if you know anything about Pastor Liz, she started reconstructing. She went HGTV up in that place. We're taking this wall down. We're changing these floors out. We're redoing this bathroom. We're going to add this here. We're going to put this furniture here. We're putting the fence up. We're going to get the lawn nice and made, switch out the mailbox. And I was cool with all of it. There was one that she wanted, though, that I was like, ooh. She said, let's replace all the windows in the house. Ooh, you ever done that before? Can I let you in? All the windows in the house, the bill came back $10,000 to replace all the windows. And you know, Pastor Liz, she likes nice things. They wouldn't know, like, they were like triple pane, hurricane proof. Holy Spirit wouldn't get in, okay? It was that tight, shut when nothing happening, keeping it all out. $10,000. And we paid it. And we got all the windows replaced. And when it came time to launch this church, our house sold for $235,000, $135,000. When I told the realtor how much I wanted to buy the house, sell the house for, he looked at me and he's like, there's no way you're getting that much. He goes, none of the houses in your neighborhood get that much. He's a bad realtor. <laughs> I told him, maybe. I told him, but I know what I put into it. Every improvement to your life is an investment in your value. Anytime you work on you getting better, your value goes up. As a person, as an employee, as a businessman. Invest. Invest what? I'm going to give you three things to invest. Invest time. I listen to multiple sermons a week. Like multiple. Like you'd be, you would be shocked to know how much time I spend listening to other people preach. I spend three times a year, I go off to a hotel room by myself for three days to plan out sermon series for months. I invest in a mentor. Twice in my life, I have spent thousands of dollars, like three to $5,000 to sit with another pastor for half a day just so I can ask them questions and learn and grow and invest and invest in an education. I hold four different degrees. You need to go and get whatever certification you can, whatever degree you can, whatever internship you can be a part of, whatever conference, JLA, if you got ministry or leadership aspirations, you wanna invest in yourself so that your value can increase. Here's the next one, teachable. Oof. If you wanna increase your income, you better be teachable. Proverbs 13, 18, poverty and disgrace, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds correction is honored. One day I was at the gym and I was doing some incline bench presses. And whenever I did incline bench presses, my shoulder would hurt and my shoulder was in pain, but I just kept doing them, you know, cause I didn't know any better. And I just thought maybe it would just heal whatever. And while I'm doing incline bench presses one day with some shoulder pain, this dude, I didn't know him now. We're friends now. We see each other at the gym all the time. But it was like the first time we talked. He came over to me. He goes, hey. I'm like, what's up? He had, he had flame tattoos on his bald head. He came with this. I just want you to get the picture. And he goes, hey, he's six foot, you know, whatever, tall, big. And he's just like, why do you do him like that? And I'm like, like what? He goes, your arms are really flared out. They should be a little, your elbow should be a little more tucked in. If you're going to do bench press like that, you do it like that, you're going to hurt your shoulder. I was like, okay. So then I brought my shoulders in, and I started doing them, and the pain went away. Now, let me tell you something. It hurt to receive that feedback because, number one, who asked you? <laughs> you was over there doing your thing, all good. 
Did nobody say, hey, can you help? Hey, you have any ideas on how to improve my incline? No, that means that in the middle of his workout, he took time. Out of the limited time that he had, he looked over and said, my contribution to the universe is going to be helping that guy who obviously doesn't know what he's doing get better. And not only that, he didn't all compliment sandwich me. You know what I'm talking about? He didn't come over, say something nice, then correct me, then say something nice. You know how they teach you to do that? That don't work. Come over talking about, hey, it's really great that you're at the gym, but your elbow is in, but keep going. It was, what are you doing? Listen, it hurt to receive the feedback, but it would have hurt even more if I didn't listen. Can I help you today? To all my creatives in the room, not every critic is a hater. Learn. Now, don't let them speak to your character. You know who you are, but your work, let them speak to it. That song's no good. Let them speak to it. To every business owner, not every negative Google review is crazy. You got roaches in your sandwiches. Fix that. Address it. Listen to your customers. Anybody got a boss? Raise your hand if you got a boss. I know you think your boss hates you, but every boss that I've met understands that if their team gets better, they get better. So let me tell you, your boss isn't trying to hurt you. They're trying to get you better. Learn to depersonalize feedback. And to all my bosses, not every employee who complains is disgruntled. They just want a good working environment. So listen and be teachable and get better. Here's my other one. Point number five, hard work. You thought we weren't going to get away from this one. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Leave that verse on the screen. He said, I was afraid. I was afraid. I heard a lot of preachers preach, don't be afraid to use your talent. And I get that. But I don't think the point of this verse is don't be afraid. I think the point of this verse is don't make excuses. Here's how I know. Because of verse 26. But his master answered him. He totally bypasses his fear reason. You wicked and lazy servant. And he gets right to the core of the issue. You, you afraid? Mm-mm. Don't come with that. Because I know your heart. Because I'm God. It wasn't fear. It was laziness. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. That you should have at least put my money with the bank and I could have got interest on what was mine. Don't make excuses for laziness. I got two boys that are in jujitsu right now. One of them loves it. The other doesn't love it. The one that doesn't love it, I ask him. He's like, it's hard. It's a lot of work. And I would, I would receive that. But the thing is, we put this other one in like everything that you could imagine. We put him in baseball. We put him in soccer. We put him in boxing. We put him in saxophone. We put him in piano. We, all the things. And he likes it in the beginning. But as soon as it gets hard, he don't want to do it no more. And what I'm trying to tell him is, you know what, bro? It's cool that you're not about this. But one day, you're going to have to find your thing. And when you find your thing, it's going to get hard the moment you decide to get good. Anytime you decide to get good at something, it's going to get 
hard. And if you don't put, so, so son, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you become. You want to become a professional video game player? Amen. I'll support you. But you better become the best video game player that you can be. You better put in that work. You better have some calluses on your thumbs. Your finger better like cramp because you got a muscle thing going on. Like if you're going to do it, fine, but do it. And be the best that you can at it. Because hard work is how you multiply. Got to work hard. Well, they don't pay me enough to work hard. Excuse me? This isn't really my career anyway. It's just a summer job. Who do you think you work for? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do. Flip burgers in a fast food restaurant, sell shoes, clean toilets, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. Here's where we wrestle as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Then you won't have to worry if they promote you because the one who you really work for will see your effort and he'll promote you when he sees the way that you put in the work. Here's my last one. This is so important. Fulfilled. If you want to increase your income, you got to find a job that leaves you fulfilled. There was a shift that took place in the workplace in America after covid People used to pick jobs based on income. After COVID, income fell to number three for the reason why people pick jobs. Now the top two reasons why people pick jobs are number one, work-life balance. So they don't care about being rich, they care about being free. And number two, they want work that is meaningful. Meaningful. Work is not the curse, y'all. Some people think, man, this is stupid Adam and Eve. That's why we working. If they had not eaten that fruit, we all be chilling, sipping on pina colada. It'd be great. Read Genesis again. There was work before the fall. Work is a part of God's perfect plan. And I hate to burst your bubble, but in heaven, there's work. Somebody's like, oh, no, nah, they didn't tell me that. <laughs> nah, chill. Yeah. Because the curse is not work. Read the curse again in Genesis. I, I'll give you some of the highlights. You will work the ground and thorns will come out. You will work the ground and you will sweat. You will work the ground and it will be painful. Are you ready? The curse is not that you will work. The curse is that you will not enjoy your work. How many of us can relate? That's the curse. We work for paychecks, not for purpose which is why we lack the motivation to expand and the energy to drive. But I'm going to teach you today really quickly in one minute and 50 seconds that we have left how to find fulfillment in any job you do. Lean in, lean in. Matthew 25, 19, the person with the five talents comes back. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. He doubled the money, saying, Master, you gave me five. Look, I got five more than the five you gave me. And he gives it to the master, which here's the revelation. He knew before he started working that he wasn't going to keep the money. So that means that money was not the motivation ever. If you want to find fulfillment in your work, you have to remove money as the motivator. He didn't care about the money. So why was he working? Because he's about to get his true reward. Look at his true reward in verse 21. His master replied, he's about to get the reward right now. It wasn't the money. He gave it back. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Somebody say faithful. 
with a few things. Now, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share in eternity with your master's happiness. The reward wasn't the money. The reward was the well done. The reward was eternity. If you work as a janitor, a janitor, now, there's nothing wrong with that job. It's a great job. It's an it's a, it's a honest living. It's awesome. I bring that up because I think some people would think, how could you find purpose in a job that's cleaning up other people's vomit and, and, and stuff? And how could you? I got this janitor at my gym. He works on Saturdays, only on Saturdays. So it's like a part, part-time job. I don't know because I'm there often. And he's never there except on Saturdays. I don't know his name. I was going to tell him and be like, tell me your name because I'm going to preach about you on Sunday. But, but I, I didn't want to make him feel weird. Every time I walk into the building, this janitor looks at me. He goes, how you doing? I go, good. How you doing? And he says the same thing every single time. He goes, blessed by the best. <laughs> 24 hour fitness over on Loma. You walk in there on Saturday, you'll find a janitor. Ask him how he's doing. Because I see other people come up to him too. Blessed by the best. Blessed by the best. He's a brother in there, like Hulk Hogan. He throws it in at the end, brother. Blessed by the best, brother. Always. You can't tell me. I know he's a believer. You can't tell me that he sees his job as just cleaning toilets. He made that job into a ministry because he understood who he was working for and what he was working for. Eternity. There's a difference between your job and your calling. This just happens to be my job and my calling. But if you take the microphone out of my hand, the microphone don't make me a preacher. My calling makes me a preacher. You put me in Taco Bell, you're going to have a preacher up in Taco Bell. You put me in Starbucks, you're going to have a barista who is preaching. I don't know what the law allows, but every time I make a cup, I'm put a little cross, a little paint, a little cross on the bottom of the cup, put a little 316 underneath the lip of the styrofoam, just hand it to him. Because my job and my calling are different. And I need you to know some of us get to do our job as our calling. But if you don't, you can turn your calling into your job. You can be a preacher right where you are, a minister right where you are, an evangelist right where you are, a lover of people right where you are. You can change the world and impact lives doing what you're doing. And when you see it with an eternal, an eternal mindset, an eternal mindset, it changes everything that you do. We got a team in our church called the Legacy Team. It's a, it's a team of realtors, lawyers, doctors, CEOs, small business owners, salon owners who were sad before that team because they were doing great in their work, but it wasn't fulfilling. And so we met with them and we created this team about five years ago. And we said, listen, the reason why you're not fulfilled is because you're not seeing what you do as ministry. You might think you just sell houses, but you have a holy calling. Because through your generosity, you're not just buying a home for a family, you are preparing a home for someone who's on their way to eternity. When you give out of the abundance, and it's crazy how it's changed their mentality. I've had people in our legacy team come up to me in tears talking about now I know my place on the team at Journey Church. Now I go to work excited because I understand that I'm a minister doing eternal work. If I'm a doctor, I'm not just saving lives. I'm helping to fund the kingdom to save lives for eternity. I see it differently now. It's my calling. It's my calling. It's my calling. 
Let me help you out if you missed any of those points. How to increase your income, how to manage your talent, how to find purpose in your work. Here we go. First point was focus. Second was anonymity. Then invest. Then be teachable. Be hardworking. Find something that will leave you fulfilled. In case you're not good at the Wheel of Fortune, in case you need to buy a vowel, it spells, put it on the screen, faithful. Well done. Good and faithful servant. When you work at what you work at with all of your might and all of your energy, when you invest and you improve and you get better, you are the faithful servant that Jesus spoke about at the end of times. I don't know about you and I don't know what you do, but you're not working for today, you're working for eternity. And you're not working for, for Christian, you're working for Christ. Get that mindset. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for two people. First people I want to pray for, it's going to take some, some courage and some guts, but I want to pray for those people. Listen to me, you don't like your job. You wish you weren't doing it. You wish you were doing something else. You don't like it. But you can hear God calling you right now saying, be faithful. Crush it there. Watch how I elevate you. Or maybe because of fear or whatever, you don't want to take the extra steps to get better at your job because you're putting your trust in a boss or a supervisor and not the Lord, your master. And you say today, you know what? I'm going to re-up at my workplace. I'm going to be the best principal in all of Central Florida. I'm going to be the best teacher. I'm going to be the best fashion designer. I'm going I'm to give it all regardless. So either you don't like your job or you're ready to take the next step of investing in yourself and improving yourself. And you say, you know what? Today's that day. I'm going to look at it all differently. On the count of three, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand high to the sky so that I can do that. All over this room on three, raise your right hand. One, two, three. Let me pray for those people who don't like their jobs or they need to start taking it to the next level in their job. I know your eyes are closed, but you just need to be confident. There's a lot of hands up. So if you need to raise your hand, you can join all these hands that are raised up right now. There's a lot of people just, I get it. 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 It's your job. It's not your calling, but you can bring your calling into your job. It's time to find fulfillment right now. It's time to be faithful right now. With your hand raised, would you just tell the Lord right now in your own words, Lord, I'm ready to be faithful. I'm ready to be faithful. I'm ready to give him my all. I'm ready to be the best that I can be at this thing right here. I'm a toll man. I'm gonna be the very best toll man. Blessed, blessed by the best. Every time a car drops in, there are little coins in that machine. Whatever it is, if I'm working at Chick-fil-A, blessed to be blessed by the best. I just I'm just trusting in my trusting in my God. God, I pray right now for every hand that is raised. I pray you will fill their life with purpose. I pray that you would fill their life with meaning. I pray that you begin to show them the certifications, the degrees, the improvements to improve where they are until you bring the thing. Even if it's not the thing, I don't know if they steward it well. If they're faithful, it's going to lead them to the thing. God, I pray blessings over their life. I pray doors would open. I pray that you would send mentors into their life right now. Mentors who are going to take them to the next level right now. Lord God, I pray you give them a teachable attitude even now as I'm preaching. That they'd be able to receive, even though it's hurtful to hear and painful to hear, the pain of not listening is greater, Lord God. I pray that you would re-up their energy, that they would work hard on another level. We thank you in advance for doing this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Keep your head down. I want to pray one last time. Listen, for anybody who's watching online today, anybody in the room, anybody in Fern Park, you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're ready to come back home to God. This is your moment. You want to talk about a faithful servant church? Who was more focused than Christ? Who was more anonymous than Christ? 
Who was willing to invest his blood, his very life, like Christ? Who was more teachable by the Father than Christ? Father, your will but not mine. Let it be done. Who worked harder than the one who carried the cross up Calvary for your sins and for mine? And who was fulfilled enough to die for your life and my life? Jesus. He is the faithful servant. And he, was, he did it because he loves you. I've said it every time. This service, this series is not about money. It's about you and your heart and how the way it's connected to money. It's time to come back to the true faithful servant. With every head bowed and every eye closed over at East and online, if that's you and you're ready to come back to Jesus today and start a relationship with him, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand high to the sky. Jesus, I'm coming home. All over this room, on three. One, two. Jesus, I'm coming home. One, two, three. Right now, go ahead and raise your hand high. You want to give your life back to Jesus. Come on, I see your hand in the back. I see your hand in the back middle. I see your hand over here in the middle. I see your hand up front. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put your hand down. Let's all pray this prayer together, whether you raise your hand or not. Let's not leave those who raise their hand alone. Journey Church, let's encourage them. Let's all say, Father God, thank you for being faithful, for always being there, even when I wasn't there. Forgive me for my past. Be with me in my future. Today, I decide to make you my Lord, my Savior, and the love of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.